and welcome to episode 93 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Kaylin Clare, Sandy Eccles, Daphne Coyer, Denise Groff, Melissa Davis, Carrie Barrett, Alana Cook, Marcel Janssen, Megan, Tim Alford, Katie Alvarez, Lauren Adams, Tamira Walker, Stephanie LeBeau, Brian Jones, Alice Wilton, Kareen M, Blanca Fuentes, Emily, Simon Maltz, Lynette Martez, Ashley Peters, Kayla Reynolds, and Louise Kerr. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate it immensely. And we've got a birthday this week. We would like to say a massive happy birthday to Lisa Williamson from Donna, but more importantly, from me and from Dan and from Tiny B. Especially from Tiny B, who loves the party. She loves it. She is literally going around today in a little party hat. I don't know where she got one so small, <laughs> but there we are. So happy birthday to you, Lisa Williamson. Happy birthday. And our film review this week. Our film review is Awoken. Awoken was released in 2019. It has 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Why, yes, that would be wonderful. A young medical student attempts to cure her brother from a terminal sleeping illness called fatal familial insomnia, where you are unable to sleep until you die. On her quest to help him, a more sinister reason for his condition is revealed. What were your thoughts on this film? I didn't mind it. It wasn't too bad. It suffered from the same thing that a lot of horror movies suffer from when we choose to watch them in the middle of the day, in that I can't see what's going on on the screen for good chunks of it because it's too dark. Yeah. And there was that really strange use of 1990s level CGI in the last couple of scenes, which the film didn't need. Basically, it did a good job of scaring without that, and I think that ruined it a little bit. Other than that, it was okay. It obviously wasn't a big budget film. The story was alright. That's my thoughts. I think if this film had had a bigger budget or was in more experienced hands, actually it could have been a great film. But it started with this bizarre tagline that was like, (laughs) one in three people in America have a sleeping disorder. 95% of people die if they don't sleep for 30 days. If they last longer than 30 days, they don't need a doctor. They need a priest. Oh, and I just was like, I checked out at that point. I mean, it's a bit like who you're going to call the Vatican. <laughs> it's not a great way to start a film, is it? And actually, the film itself doesn't suffer from being as cheesy as that tagline would suggest that it's going to be. But I just wasn't I wasn't here for that tagline. And, you know, the acting was a bit questionable at, at times. The storyline is a little bit questionable at times, too, because this man randomly has a sleeping laboratory in the basement of the campus on university. And reason- nobody, nobody knows. No, that, I mean, that's odd. But lots of things like that happen in movies. He is a researcher. He's a medical research doctor. So there's, there is a tenuous link. Very tenuous. It's got some your classic possession scares. If you love a possession movie, just this this one's for you. There's a lot of deep voices, a lot of bizarre movement. Okay, actually, that's one thing I need to say. The worst thing about this film is the demon voice, and it's probably my own preconditioning as to what a demon voice sounds like. This sounds a bit like Brohio's Bill Wilkins, to be honest. 
the voice of the demon. Didn't find it as scary as other demon voices. But no. I will say the brother that she's trying to heal is very good at the role he plays, I thought. They made that classic film mistake of overusing the demon voice where when when you hear it the seventh time, it really stops being scary, you know? And there is there is always that risk of small budget films giving away too much when they don't have the budget to be able to do that. So the CGI is at the end is a classic case of that. And actually, the story gets so bizarre and far-fetched that it just gets a bit ridiculous. And I also, I, I take a lot of issue with a film that opens with a very clear and almost gratuitous scene of child sexual abuse. I, I, I do, I take a bit of umbrage with that, I have to say. I get that it was set in the scene for the rest of the film, but there was a five minute child abuse segment that wasn't revisited until the last five minutes of the film. And it, it seemed unnecessary to me, to be frank. I don't think it was unnecessary. I think it was poorly done. Maybe that's a better way to do it. Maybe I it think was... you needed to... I think what they were trying to do was to set set a plot line. Instill, no, what they were trying to do was instill something in the plot that made you understand how the story developed. Yes, true. But then it was, wasn't referenced until literally the last five minutes. Yep. So I found it a bit jarring, to be perfectly frank. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this film. I think it's hard when it's you know, hotter than the face of the sun outside. It's really sunny and we're trying to watch a film about possession. There it's... was one jump, jump scare that really got me, though, very early on in the film when they're reviewing some video footage. Yes. <laughs> that probably got me. And I think when it when a, when a low-budget film keeps it to those really clever, subtle jump scares, oh, they can be brilliant. But when they try and do too much, it ends up being too much and a little bit too extra and not really holding on to all the threads that it's trying desperately to weave together. So what would you give this film out of five? Three. Interesting. I didn't hate it. Do you know what? I'm also going to give it a three because I didn't hate it either. I thought it tried to do too much and maybe needed to be reined in a little bit. They needed someone to go, okay, let's cut all of this shit, rein it in a bit, make it really simple and it'll probably be more effective. But what's really interesting about this film is the disease... Fatal familial insomnia is mm. real. Mm. I googled it and I thought because I was watching it and I was thinking, really, is this a real? Does it absolutely is? And it's characterized by lack of sleep and really rapid progression of symptoms that are akin to dementia. So it's wow. a really traumatic disease, incredibly rare. I think there's only three hundred. I say only for those three hundred people, it's pretty horrific. But I think there's three hundred people maybe a year that's diagnosed with this condition in the US. And it is a genetic disorder. So at least they got that stuff right. I mean, it worked really well for what they were trying to do for the story. So fair play to them because they could have just fabricated something. <laughs> yeah, they could. And I thought they had because <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard of this disease and before. And it does sound, when they describe it, it does sound really far-fetched. So you're a bit like, yeah, okay. But it's real. Which brings us to our story this week. Now this week's episode is going to be a bit wild. It's going to be a bit mad. It's going to be a bit of a mishmash of different stories. Okay. We get sent in stories about dreams all of the time. Now, before you turn off, this isn't just going to be an episode where we rehash people's scary dreams. That's not what this is about. But we are going to talk about what happens when dreams go wrong, essentially. And whether or not there is a supernatural element to dreams. Oh, I'm not going to like this episode, am I? (laughs) 
well, <laughs> I don't know. But there is loads of links in the description of this episode that I just added in that I thought were interesting when I was researching. So if you want to know more about the scientific world of dream study, then the links are all in the description for you. But are you ready? I don't think I am because I'm already feeling a bit, I want to say intrepid, but that's not the word I mean. It's so hot. It's so hard to focus in, when my in, brain is melting. Either. What is the word? Wary. It's not the word I was looking for, but it works. <laughs> you're terrified. And you're running along a dark, narrow corridor. Something very evil and scary is chasing you, but you're not sure what it is, and you're not sure why. Your fear is compounded by the fact that your feet won't do what you want them to do. It feels like they're moving through molasses. The pursuer is gaining. But when it finally catches you, the whole scene vanishes and you wake up. Almost by definition, a dream is something you are aware of at some level. It may be fragmentary, disconnected and illogical. But if you aren't aware of it during sleep, then it isn't a dream. Many people will protest, I never remember my dreams. But that's a different matter entirely. Failing to remember a dream later on when you're awake doesn't mean you weren't aware of it when it occurred. It just means the experience was never really carved into your memory, has decayed in storage, or isn't accessible for easy callback. We all intuitively know what a dream is. But you'll be surprised to learn that there is no universally accepted definition of dreaming. One fairly safe catch-all is all perceptions, thoughts or emotions experienced during sleep. Because of the ambiguity of dreams, there are many different theories as to what dreams actually are. Some believe in the Freudian assertion that they represent unconscious desires and wishes. Others believe that it is simply our mind's way of interpreting random signals from the brain and the body during sleep. Like when your alarm clock is going off and it somehow seeps its way into your dream. It could also be the brain's way of consolidating and processing information gathered during the day. From evidence and new research methodologies, researchers have speculated that dreaming serves the following functions. Offline memory reprocessing, in which the brain consolidates learning and memory tasks and supports and records waking consciousness. Or it could be a way of your brain preparing for possible future threats. It could be a cognitive simulation of real-life experiences, as dreaming is a subsystem of the waking default network, the part of the mind that is active during daydreaming. It could be a way of helping develop cognitive capabilities. It could be a way of reflecting unconscious mental function in a psychoanalytical way. Maybe it's a unique state of consciousness that incorporates experience of the present, processing of the past, and preparation for the future? Or is it a psychological space where overwhelming, contradictory, or highly complex notions can be brought together by the dreaming ego, notions that would be unsettling while awake, serving the need for psychological balance and equilibrium? Whatever the reason for dreams, they are widely discussed and researched, and have even been at the forefront of some of the world's most important scientific discoveries. 
Of all the cases cited by psychiatrists, psychologists and historians of science to illuminate the role of symbolism in creative thought, none is more famous than August Kekulé's vision of a snake biting its tail, a dream that supposedly revealed the true structure of the benzene ring to the German chemist. By the middle of the 19th century, Europe's chemists knew there was something odd about benzene. Several suspected that its oddness arose from the spatial organisation of its atoms. But what their arrangement was remained a mystery. In 1865, the German chemist Kekulé proposed a cyclic formula which eventually became accepted. But it came to him in a dream. In his account of the dream, he said that, I was sitting, writing at my textbook, but the work did not progress. My thoughts were elsewhere. I turned my chair towards the fire and dozed. Again, the atoms were gambling before my eyes. This time, the smaller groups kept modestly in the background. My mental eye, rendered more acute by repeated visions of the kind, could now distinguish larger structures of manifold conformation. Long rows, sometimes more closely fitted together, all twining and twisting in a snake-like motion. But look, what was that? One of the snakes had seized hold of its own tail, and the form whirled mockingly before my eyes. As if by a flash of lightning I awoke, and this time... I also spent the rest of the night in working out the consequences of the hypothesis. Nowadays, there's lots of speculation of the legitimacy of Kekulé's alleged dream. But there is something interesting about his life. He had a background in architecture and the ability to visualise problems in a structural way, thus suggesting that his dream of the ancient Ouroboros, a snake consuming its own tail, was simply his brain's way of making visual sense of a scientific problem. But not all of us have the luxury of our dreams revealing scientific breakthroughs. And for some people, their dreams can have really frightening consequences. So let's stop there for a second. Okay. Before we start any stories. Okay. What are your thoughts so far? I mean, I'll just try and picture Kekulis or whatever his name is. Is that right? Kekulé. Or Kekulé, I think maybe. Kekulé. I just like working in the scientific field and then just coming into his lab mates and going, I know the structure of benzene. It came to me in a dream. I can't see that being a very particularly convincing argument for people. Well, he he thought the same thing. Mm. So he thought, fuck me, I've figured this out, but I'm going to have to actually work it out properly because otherwise nobody's going to believe me. Oh, so it gave him the starting point to the problem. Oh, that makes more sense. And uh, like allegedly... This is really quite a common thing that lots of great minds in science, even Einstein, solved problems through their dreams. And that you can understand that, right? Because if you're thinking about something way too much and you just can't figure it out, like the the art or the act of sleeping gives you a space for your brain to relax and maybe think about things in a different way. So I get it. This story is like it's always lauded as showing how powerful dreams are and, and whatever. But isn't it fascinating that we don't have a definition of what a dream really is? That's crazy. That is just crazy that no one can define it. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure dictionaries have got a definition, but I know what you mean. It's like a universal scientific definition. Yeah. Is what you're so they about. don't know why it happens yeah. or what it actually is. And there's lots of lots of different schools of thought about dreams, which is evident in the amount of different theories that surround them. And they know loads about dreams, so they know exactly what part of your brain is active when you're dreaming they know exactly when somebody's dreaming they know that if you forget your dream it's because one part of your brain wasn't stimulated and therefore you don't remember it they know that 95 percent of people will forget their dream as soon as they get out of bed like they know loads about dreaming yeah, but then, not what they are there must be something quite primal to it as well though because animals dream don't they because we see bim dreaming all the time yeah so dogs dream yeah dogs definitely dream and ancient people used to think that dreams were a glimpse into another world, like crossing mm. a plane into another world. But it does make sense about being able to work, all the scientific brains being able to work stuff out when they're asleep, because, you know, you think of a problem you might have had at work, you sometimes, at night, once you sleep on it, you can come back to it in the morning, you sometimes have an answer of how to do things. Now, you might yeah. not have been quite as prophetic as Kekules or whatever his name was. In that you've actually you actually remember dreaming something that's relevant to your problem, but the the actual process of sleep allows you to get back to something with a fresh outlook. So Paul McCartney apparently wrote yesterday completely in a dream, composed it all in a dream, and then woke up in the morning and really quickly ran to a piano and was like, oh, "Gotta get this down before I forget it." And we spoke to Doctor N from the Friend Psych Files. And she composes music in her dreams and wow. writes it down the next morning. So people can do crazy stuff in their dreams and everybody's dreams are obviously different. But what we're going to talk about is prophetic dreams and people who have had dreams that have turned out to be maybe more terrifying than just being a nightmare. Yeah, the science bit I liked. This is the bit I'm not really looking forward to. So I deep dove into Reddit. So each of these <laughs> each of these stories comes from Reddit and the first one comes from the username why even bother being are you ready Yes I changed schools when I was 8 or 9 and it was a cool experience and I enjoyed it but I kind of miss my best friend Halfway through the school year our teacher told us to clean up the classroom because we had a new student joining us tomorrow that night, I dreamed it was my best friend coming to my new school. But he couldn't stay for long, and my initial happiness turned to sadness. The next day, I wasn't even surprised to see my buddy being introduced to the class. It was a nice reunion, and things went well for a month or so, and then he stopped coming to school for a while, came once or twice more, and then never came again. It seemed so weird to me. When I was a bit older, I found out that he had actually passed away. He was a sick kid with heart problems from birth and low oxygen levels led to him being fairly sick for his whole life. The reason he ended up at the school I moved to was his family moved home to the grandparents' farm to be a closer family in case his health did not improve, which it didn't. But I still remember the dream about him. And it still creeps me out to this day. I mean, sad about his friend dying, but that's kind of cool. But you could also say it like, the, on the one hand, you could say it's wishful thinking, right? You're a kid, your best friend is the most important thing in your life. You've got a new student starting and you're thinking, oh, imagine if it was my best friend from my old school, that's really exciting. But the bit of the dream that says, 
in my dream, it was my best friend, but he only stayed with us for a short while. Yeah. And then he wasn't at school anymore. It's almost deja vu, isn't it? When he walks in, it's like I've been here before, but it's in my dream. That's interesting. Very interesting. So not particularly scary no, to start you. off with. <laughs> this next story comes from Word Blender. When my daughter was 16, she had a reoccurring nightmare about a man doing horrible things to children. She had never seen the man before, but could describe him perfectly. Long, stringy hair, slender, in his late 30s or early 40s, dirty, unkempt. One day she was with me when I went to pick up my son from a friend's house. As my son climbed into the car, a man walked out of a house a few doors down. My daughter had a complete meltdown, screaming and crying that this was the man from her dreams. I got a quick look at the man before she completely panicked, locking the car doors and crying for me to leave. Just leave, we have to get away from him. When we got home, I talked to both of my children. Neither had ever seen this man before. I spoke to my son's friend's parents. They didn't know the man either. They said he had moved in a few months prior and they rarely saw him outside. A few days later, a huge story broke about a child sex ring. And yep, it involved that same man. His name was Harry Robbs. This happened in Clovis, New Mexico in 2003. Fortunately, none of my children were involved. We did not know any of the victims. I feel so bad for them. And I'm glad Robs and the other adults got caught. There's no purpose to that, though, is there? What do you mean? Well, it makes it would make sense if if it led to a near miss or something that she would know that information. But actually, her knowing that information didn't lead to him getting arrested. And like the kid, the, the son who was playing at the friend's house didn't know him. So it, it seems like it's just an odd one to have. Who knows, I guess. So who knows if she hadn't freaked out, what would have happened? Maybe I mean, unlikely, a bit more blasé about it, I don't know. But it's unlikely that anything would have happened yeah. because they were in the car with their dad anyway. Yeah. It's not like they were out playing in a park and they saw this random man and then she freaked out and they were on their own. They were with their dad in the car. So it's, it's, a, really, it's a really strange one. Mm. Like, what is the point of it? Our next one comes from Square Mop or Square M Up. I was 18 living in London, staying on a friend's couch one night, and I had a strangely realistic dream. At this point, I should mention that I'm a massive stoner, so vivid dreams are few and far (laughs) between for me, and I tend to remember them quite well. In this dream, I was walking down a corridor with friends. In my dream, I knew there were my friends, but I didn't recognise any of them, despite having a good look at their faces. Next, we all walked through a big steel door into a square room with a high ceiling and black walls. Other stuff is hazy at this point, as it was a few years ago, but I distinctly remember a damp, musky smell and hearing loud music drift in and out, and also remember being sat on a couch in this black room, talking with another friend, whose face I couldn't make out, but had this solid, best pal type of connection with. I can distinctly remember desperately trying to explain something to that person, but much like punching in a dream, I just couldn't get my words out. I woke up on my friend's couch after this dream, with that strange feeling you get from deja vu. 
I was hyper aware and I can remember just sitting there with a joint trying to work out what had just gone through my mind while I had been sleeping. Fast forward almost exactly one year to the day and I'd moved back to the north of England from London and was going to my first practice session with a new band with people I'd known for a long time. But at that point I hardly spoke to them much. As I was walking down the corridor into my new rehearsal space, I got that massive wave rush over me that you only get with deja vu. We went through a big steel door and into a black room with high ceilings and loud music already playing. My head was already messed up. I knew I was experiencing my dream from the past in the real world present. People's faces made sense. And I found myself sat on a couch explaining to the guy from the dream, who now had a face, which makes complete sense, exactly what I was going through. I could remember everything about the original dream at that point. I remembered waking up and running through all the possibilities in my head and was explaining this all to my new bandmate who was just sitting there soaking up the fact that I had had the same conversation with him in a dream a year earlier. I have to point out that everything from the corridor to the steel door to the shape of the room, the colour of the room, the music, the musky damp smell was all exactly as I had dreamt it. There were no inaccuracies except for the words and faces being muffled and hazy. I still can't get my head around it. On the day after the dream, I sat there for a while trying to bend my mind around having such a weird dream. Then my friend whose flat I was staying in got up out of bed, noticed I had an odd look on my face, and sat there listening to me reel off the event sequence that had just occurred in my dream. You can imagine her reaction one year later, when I called her to explain that the dream, which she remembered me telling her about, had actually just happened. That's interesting. That level of detail, and then for it to happen. I reckon it probably happens more than we realise. And maybe actually the conversation in this dream wasn't important, because actually the purpose of having that dream was to help him start a conversation with these people they hadn't been speaking too much. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and it is interesting that in the dream, the conversation, he couldn't get the words out. Mm. And then in real life, the conversation was about the dream. Yep. Ooh. I don't know if so that's weird. I don't know if it's scary. It's just odd. The purpose of that one seems a bit more purposeful, for want of a better word. But again, what is that purpose? To break the ice. I don't know. It just seems so strange that we have these dreams that don't really alter anything or change anything. It's not like you're dreaming about like a natural disaster where you have to save your family and get everybody out of the way or the building, the warehouse that they're rehearsing in falls down in the dream and he sees it happen in some like final destination shit. It's just going to band practice and talking to people. Yeah, but then... so weird. You don't know where... Again, like, without you don't want to get too fateful on these things because, you know, you don't... I don't actually truly believe that everything is pathed out for you. Like, you have choices and... Yeah. things change but actually you don't know what came of that band practice and he might not at this point either but the the freedom that he felt in having that conversation might have led to something further down the line that was more important do you know what i mean you don't oh, actually maybe. know the the depth of it do you like you don't un- like we don't know it because it's not important to us just like in a similar way we don't actually know the one previously we don't actually know what the purpose of that was really but it might have been important for them it might have been for some validation 
it might be that actually that and this is going to sound really crazy but just bear with me on this right it might have just been that because they experienced that as a family of that girl having the dream about that um evil dude and that coming true might mean that later on when she has a dream that is is a bit more pivotable pivotal they pay a bit more attention to it oh do you that's see what a really i mean good so point. you don't we don't we don't know the purpose of it and that's and that's obviously that's obviously taking it from a more spiritual like approach rather than just a scientific approach to it it's so it's so, such a weird it's such a weird thing like the fact that we don't have any scientific definition for it, it just makes it even no. more bizarre doesn't it like and there's obviously that theory where in your dreams you are experiencing threat so that in the future when you experience mm. threat in real life you have a experienced it b know what the emotions are and c potentially know what to do yeah so is it possible that that young girl saw that man and didn't realize she'd seen him like think about the amount of people yeah. you see every single day didn't realize she'd seen him but something about him triggered all of those fight or flight feelings yeah. in her so almost like her brain was going oh we need to keep an eye on that yep that man is dangerous and the reason why he's dangerous is because he's going to do all these things to kids or whatever and then it's just serendipitous or a coincidence that yeah. they end up seeing him again yeah and he ends up being arrested now yeah. the the person who wrote that particular story actually included links to the arrest yeah. so it wasn't yeah, this yeah. random story but there's also the possibility that this is reddit and everybody could be lying yeah so we need yeah. to bear that in mind too but the band practice one and actually not just the band practice one even if he's made that up those dreams kind of go against the freudian idea that we are is it freudian where we're everybody where we play every character yeah. in dream? kind of goes against that doesn't it yeah and the freudian idea is that your dreams are all about playing out some unfulfilled desire whatever that might be so, so this guy's case was talking to other people. <laughs> yeah, in this guy's case, it was having a sick band and talking to other people. Yeah. And it is true. Apparently, when you smoke loads of weed, you stop dreaming. Wow. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know why. There's, I think it's something to do with the chemicals in your brain are altered by... So relaxed, it can't even be bothered to dream. <laughs> Just kind of fucked. <laughs> so I've got two more stories for you today. Okay, so far, although I'm a bit in awe, I'm not too terrified. So I'm hoping these two are going to continue to... Oh. I might have saved the best to last, but our next story comes from O'Fail. Not creepy, but so vivid and distinct that I still think about it years later. I had a long involved dream where I was a vendor in a fish market. I remember getting up early, dressing, doing a whole morning routine, going to get tea, heading out to the docks, buying fish, loading them in a cart going to get ice, haggling for ice, buying some less fresh fish while I was at it, then going to a market to my stall, setting up and selling fish all day. It was so real. I talked to friends, I smoked nasty cigarettes, I haggled with customers, I ate lunch, I had tea and just lived through the day. At the end of the day, I cleaned up, counted my cash, paid the stall rent, went home, cooked some of the fish I hadn't sold with some veggies and rice that I traded for. I drank more tea, relaxed for a while, then drew a hot bath, soaked, smoked some more cigarettes and then went to bed. The next morning, I woke up refreshed, ready to go down to the docks to buy a fresh catch. Except, I was in my house. 
next to my wife. My truck was parked outside and it was a Saturday. I didn't have any work. My wife and I were getting geared up to go skiing in Oregon and the car was already packed. The weird thing was, in the dream, I was single and a smoker, which I'm not in real life. And the whole long dream had been in fluent Chinese. The effortless kind of fluency that only comes from a lifetime of speaking it. Oh, and I had been a Chinese man. I'm a big, hairy, white dude. Somewhat fluent in Spanish, and I know a little bit of Russian. It was just weird. I've never even worked in a fish market. I wonder who I was. And I wonder what that was. That opens up so many weird possibilities, doesn't it? So, scientifically, they believe that a dream is only ever between 5 minutes and 20 minutes long. That's it. So that is scientifically. And that you have multiple dreams throughout the night. They believe that some people can have dreams that are longer than 5 sequences. Okay. But actually, the majority of your dreams are really short and weird. And this guy dreamed the day in the life of somebody on the other side of the world. Yeah. Although I would suggest, and this is with, you know, all of my scientific training, which is vast and, you know, too much to cover in this uh, obviously on this podcast, I would suggest that time is relative in a dream. In that what might have felt like a day's worth of work to this guy was actually a 20 minute dream. If scientifically that's as long as you can dream, then it's it's possible that it just feels that way because that's the way that our mind has generated it. What fascinates me more is the non-scientific side of this in that is this like past life regression or does our consciousness float off elsewhere when we're asleep? Has this Is this something that's happened in China on the other side of the world that his consciousness has been a part of while he's been asleep is this who he used to be back in the day is this just some kind of imaginative fabrication of his brain like what is going on in this situation i don't have an answer for you i don't know if that was a rhetorical question i mean it was rhetorical i don't know if you i don't yeah i it's crazy i don't know which one it is i don't know which way i want to I I I I mean you're likely to choose the imagination thing (laughs) but I just feel like my dreams are so wild and I've said this numerous times on the podcast I'm not going to go into it but I've never had a dream where I've been like going about my own day-to-day business never mind somebody else's day-to-day business have you never had one of those before no I don't I really don't think I have ever had a dream where it's just been normal so I can't understand having a dream that deals with just normal stuff happening. Like your normal day to say, like getting up, having your morning routine, mm. going to work, coming home, going to bed. I can't imagine a dream like that. And I know there's going to be loads of people that will write yeah. in and say, I have dreams like that all the time. Like I do, I do understand that that's just my brain, but I can't, I just, I just can't get on board with this one at all. I'd imagine there was a great sense of loss when he woke up. Because I feel like if you live something like that in your dream, then it feels so real. And that's not me saying he's unsatisfied with his actual life. But it's just that emotional detachment from what just happened that you'd lived. Well, so- I did have a dream last week where I was Daryl from The Walking Dead's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And we were dating. If this was not a sex dream. I'd like to clarify that. 
And I was so annoyed when Bim woke me up in the morning. I was so annoyed because I was really enjoying that dream. I felt that sense of loss. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Me and Norman Reedus Although I feel were like dating. that might be, you know, dissatisfaction. I'm not Norman Reedus, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if you know, if you're in a dream and it's so real and you're talking to people that you know as friends in your dream, you know, it's your routine, you know about what fresh fish is, you know what not like not quite so fresh fish is like you know all this stuff and then you wake up and you realize actually you don't know any of that no that's not your world and you're yeah. not fluent in chinese yeah. so i've got one more dream for you i'm all right at the moment like i'm weirded out but i'm not scared so this is this is good so this last one comes from a post that was actually deleted on reddit but i don't know if it was the account is deleted i don't really understand reddit but the, maybe the account was deleted i'm not sure And it came from the Glitch in the Matrix side of Reddit, which is a really thriving community. So are you ready? Mm, Yeah. About a year ago, I had a terrible nightmare. It started off with me waking up in bed during a thunderstorm. As the room illuminated again and again from the flashes of the lightning outside, I realised that the bed I was laying in wasn't mine. The head of the bed was against the wall the door was located on, and from my perspective I couldn't tell if the door was opened or closed. That is until I saw the face. At first, just the nose and the jaw broke the boundary of the doorframe. But then an entire face slowly passed through the doorway. I tried to yell, Who the fuck are you and where the fuck am I? But it felt like I'd lost my voice. No matter how hard I tried to scream, nothing came out. And this person continued to enter the room looking dead ahead, away from me. Then, just as the person was completely into the room, their head snapped towards me and it locked eyes with mine. I tried to get out of the bed but felt completely paralysed. The person started making their way to me, but with every step their body contorted in ways that would break a normal person's bones. Their neck snapped so the back of their head touched their back. Their jaw laid flat on their chest. Their arms had broken at the shoulders and migrated to their back like wings. Just terrifying shit. And just before they reached me, I woke up. The next day I was telling my mom about it, and I went into great detail about the room. Turns out, it was the room that I slept in when I was a baby. We moved out of that house when I was really young. Like, I have no memory of living there, and I have no memory of what the inside of my room looked like. That made me, that gave me the hoodjibbers. So is that a memory rather than a dream? I mean, in reality, that is probably a memory of that bedroom mixed with some terrible nightmare. Yes. I mean, you would want to hope because, dear yeah. God, <laughs> what if it's a memory? <laughs> what if it's a memory? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the imagery of that was horrible, but all the time I just thought it was like a simple nightmare. I was like, that's okay. You know, it's I've, a nightmare, had, I've fine. dreamt some horrific things before. It's okay. That baffles me about memory as well, like what we don't remember from kids. But then actually there's always those moments and those stories you hear where someone recalls something that they have 
that they were too young to remember. Yeah. In amazing detail. The brain is an amazing thing. Yeah, but what if we actually saw those people? And what was really hard about this episode was trying to find stories that weren't just, I had a really bad nightmare. Let me tell you about it. Because actually we all have nightmares. That's mm. that's a universal experience. Everyone knows what a nightmare feels like. Everyone's had a nightmare at some point. Your nightmare and my nightmare will be very different. But hearing about people's nightmares isn't really that interesting until you realise that some of it's rooted in reality. And that's when it gets a little bit freaky. I mean, that last one is terrifying if that is... If it, like... If that is actually a memory. <laughs> what did that little baby see? <laughs> because we all know that babies and kids see things that we don't see. That's very true. So if they saw... If that baby saw that and then he's having that adult... Oh my gosh. If I was his mum... When he told me that dream, I'd be like, oh my God. Thank God we left that house, eh? Yeah. So that's it from us and from dreams. It's a very different episode than what we usually do, but I just thought it was important to try and find a mix of stories and not just people's horrific nightmares. Yeah, and it's you also know? a bit of a break from 30 Days of Terror, and it? it's a different yeah. structure, giving us something else to talk about. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, I mean, that, the mind boggles of that, the science side of it and the sort of fantasy side of it as well. I it blew my mind when I when I was reading about it and they were like there's no definition for dreams I was like sorry what do you mean <laughs> that's outrageous come on come on scientists get it together so if you enjoyed today's episode you can find us on www.reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com I'm not going to repeat the whole thing because you've heard it every day this week if you've if you've listened up to date you can find our social meds you can find the email address to send us your stories you can find the link to our patreon where for five dollars or two dollars a month you get access to lots of bonus content etc etc i thought you're just gonna go through it all anyway i've been said i'm not gonna say it because you've heard it loads of times this week already <laughs> but <laughs> but here we are and on that note we'll see you tomorrow we will see you tomorrow bye